Hey there, freaks. It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this week's sponsors. Matt and I just had a great rip. Make sure you stay to the end of the ads because we have an announcement. Not an announcement. We uh, forgot something to put into the end of the podcast that we want to make sure you guys get to. Um, this episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. All right, They're helping you do many things. You can save money at merchants with their boost program. You get a personalized car, card. They're not giving you a car. They're giving you a card. You can personalize that with your signature, a little Bitcoin sign, whatever. You go to their partner merchants. You turn on your boost. You save a little money. You get some money back, and then you can use that money to stack sats. They're allowing you to stack sats, sell sats, receive sats, send sats on the app. Uh, it's a great place for stacking sats. And on top of that, they're also letting you stack slivers of stonks. They just introduced oh. Cash App Investing a few months ago. Uh, and this allows you to stack slivers of stonks. If your favorite stonk is just a little too expensive out of your pay grade, uh, but you still want to get a little exposure to it, Cash App Investing is letting you invest as little as $1. You can get that sliver of that stonk. And because all this, uh, excuse me, because it's connected to your bank account, all this is possible. Uh, you can start doing all this right away. You don't have to wait any four to five day. Uh, you don't have to wait four to five days to do this. It's going to go right to your bank account. You can start uh, using the boost program, stacking stonks, or most importantly, stacking sacks. Sats. I can't speak right now. Use the code stacking sats. It's one word, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10 when you download the app. And then $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. Someone get that bird some help. It needs help. Uh, this episode's also brought to you by our great, incredible friends at Unchained Capital. All right, Unchained's uh, creating financial services for Bitcoiners. Uh, they started out with their Volt program, uh, excuse me, with their uh, loan program. You can use your Bitcoin uh, as collateral to get a US dollar loan. Uh, it's very tax friendly and it allows you not to sell your Bitcoin. Friends don't let friends sell their Bitcoin. If you want some liquidity, you can use their uh, loan service, put some Bitcoin in a multi-sig uh, and get US dollars right away. Speaking of their multi-sig, they had their Volt program, which I uh, mentioned a little too early in the ad. Uh, this is a, a, a product that allows you to uh, engage in a multi-sig quorum with Unchained. Uh, Unchained will hold one of the keys and you, if you ever need them to sign uh, a transaction for you to move it off of Unchained. They will be there for you. It's uh, two or three. Uh, you will hold two keys, either on a ledger, treasure, uh, combination of both. I believe they're working on cold card too. Uh, and you can move that off yourself. On top of that, they're working on open source technology, including uh, Caravan, which is their multi-sig uh, solution. So if you don't want Unchained involved in the multi-sig, they've open sourced their solution in a web app or excuse me a desktop app you can download that and create your own multi-sigs with that they're also working on slip 39 hermit and a bunch of other stuff including their incredible blog series uh Drew, uh parker phil joe kelly and crew putting out some incredible content particularly parker's uh gradually then suddenly uh series that's great orange pill fodder to send people uh go to www.unchained-capital.com it's www.unchained-capital.com what, have, what did we forget? So I forgot in the episode, uh, what's up, freaks? Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. I forgot to mention that Stefan Lavera, uh, our boy, we love him. He just released two episodes in a row uh, that are really important in respect to privacy. Uh, the first one was with Adam Gibson, Waxwing, uh, who's done a lot of important privacy work. Uh, he's a contributor to Join Market, And then the second one was with at Samurai Wallet, um, one of the leads at Samurai Wallet was on it. And both both podcasts are fucking fantastic. Um, you should definitely give them a listen. 
uh, very helpful and, and everyone should listen to them. I've been a bit busy. They're on my docket to get to. Very, very good. We'll be very listening good. to them this weekend. All right. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hope you like new intro music too. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Hey there, freaks. It's your boy Marty Bent here on another Thursday for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt, how are we doing? Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> what is up, freaks? Matt's half a claw deep already. Half a claw deep. Marty wouldn't let me drink whiskey. I, hey, you didn't ask. I would have brought it down. That's true. You should just know. I'm sorry. Hands are full. I brought some mineral water down with me today. Um, yeah, big week. Big week. I'm tired. Uh, not a big news week. A lot of updates this week. Uh, app updates, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, it was really slow this week. Yeah, it was pretty slow. Besides our precipitous $1,000 hourly drop. Yeah, we're going to get to that. That was actually a big price movement in the history of Bitcoin. Feels good. Feels does. good. I like the I like the big pain wicks and the, the glory wicks. You I need, like both ways. Both, uh, the volatility keeps me alive. The, the shorts and the longs need to get wrecked. You know? Everyone except the sat stackers, the yeah. humble sat stackers. The humble... A humble stat stackers. I am but a humble stat stacker. Sat stacker, excuse me. Um, speaking of that wick, it wicked down. I forget how low. I think it went to like 9100 I believe, at one point. Right now we're sitting at $9,557, according to Clark Moody's dashboard. Sats per dollar is at 10464 Back under five, or excuse me, over five figures uh, if you're stacking sats. Uh, on a dollar by dollar basis, I know uh, our boy Fartface has been has been doing that for quite a while. Uh, what else are we looking at here? The sats per dollar will never be under 10k again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Um, Tor reach, percentage. Percentage of Tor nodes for the Bitcoin network is 16.56 percent for the Lightning network. Getting closer. Are we getting further away? It's thirty nine point five percent. We're at thirty nine point six. We've just been flat around here for the last like three weeks. Yeah, and lightning capacity has just been flat. Public capacity, eight hundred and seventy six Bitcoin. Yeah, seems like it's been about flat. And uh, when was the last difficulty adjustment? Yeah, so we haven't had a difficulty adjustment since last week. The blocks are coming in slower. Last week it was ten minutes, ten seconds. This week it's ten minutes, sixteen seconds within this. Uh, this block time period um mining epoch we're still in epoch three we're getting closer to the having we're uh, 11,758 blocks away and that is scheduled uh, to happen right now around may 9th 2020 nueve de mayo nueve de mayo do you celebrate cinco de mayo only nueve de mayo <laughs> Hey, it could happen on I, any excuse to like drink with friends. I celebrate those things. Yeah. I like those. There was like a bunch of having parties around the city last time it happened. How do you schedule a having party? We're gonna very flexibly. I think I think we're gonna do a beefsteak. We were talking about that last night. Ooh, let's talk about last night. 
Last night was dope. Cool uh, BitDevs meetup uh, with a very focused topic, though, coin joining. What uh, I was not able to attend. What- yeah, so this was BitDev's white paper series, right? We're fortunate to have BitDev's, uh, which is a monthly meetup. The Socratic seminar. Exactly. And this was uh, their white paper series, which works adjacent to the monthly meetup. So the monthly meetup was last week, um, which I was unfortunately couldn't attend that. Um, neither did you. Just uh, rubbing it in. This one was CoinJoin specific, so Freaks Now was right up my alley. Uh, it was just two hours, lot huge attendance. We had tons and tons of people there. It was at Baruch College last night too, right? Yeah, it was at Baruch. Um, Professor Charles hosted us. Shout out to Charles. Our boy. Uh, and it was fantastic. We had a great room, great attendance, great discussion. Um, Did you learn anything? Bullish. I'm bullish. Why are you bullish? Um, I'm bullish that so many people cared, you know, that they came out on their Wednesday night and um, talked CoinJoin in the open. Yeah. You know, we need more of that. Yeah. Uh, so that was really fantastic to see. Um, I was, I was speaking to Jay who runs them, uh, fucking awesome dude. And I, there's going to be, we're going to do more follow-up coin join discussions. Yeah. Jay's Um, a very, uh, lesser known Bitcoiner, but a fucking incredible Bitcoin. Not in New York. In New York, he's a fucking legend. Yes, that's true. Um, and I guess everywhere else he's a legend too, because no one knows who he is. Uh, but, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Jay. Uh, but yeah, we're going to do more of them and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to keep participating. I love, I mean, we love bit devs, but devs format is fantastic in general. It's spreading um, too. So we went through like all the different implementations and like the history of coin join, um, the foot gun moments, a lot of things that a lot of, if you listen to this podcast would have heard in the past. Um, but it was really nice and open forum. And there was a lot of people there that, we're new to the concepts, Hell yeah. um, which is, you know, it's great to see. Um, and then we got drunk afterwards, which is one of my favorite parts of bit devs. That's always a great um, time. But yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there was any, there was no like groundbreaking insights or anything. It was just a really positive, constructive discussion about using Bitcoin more privately. And we need more of that. That's the beauty of BitDevs. Uh, shout out to the Montreal community. I believe Thib put this together. They just launched their Socratic seminars up there. I fucking love all the BitDevs forks. Um, Those are all the forks you should huddle. And like all credit goes to Jay on that. Like he like inspired just tens of different BitDevs all around the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, all fucking awesome. World. Shout out to Jay. Um, <clears throat> all right. Let's jump into it here. Uh, I thought we talked about this last week. BISC version 1.2.6 adds support for liquid. Did we talk about that? I think we did. I was like on the fringe. Cause I like go back to like, I went back February 13th, you, you know, you doubled up on the list, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's not worth a double up. It's worth like a casual mention. Yeah. Um, BISC liquidity is up this year. They reported they they were, they did like a release of their numbers and stuff like that. I think you can just look up their numbers. I don't think they have to do a release, but they did do a release. Um, and volumes up 2.6 X and yeah, actual Max, number of trades is up 91%. Yeah. Max Hildebrand, shout out Max jumped into this in 2018. BISC had, uh, 5,256 
Bitcoin worth of volume on their exchange, their decentralized exchange. Uh, that last year in 2019, they had 13,782 uh, Bitcoin. And mind you, that's when the price was rising. So, um, no, it was this last year, right? Yeah, yeah 2019. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, throughout the year. The price was down, the price was up, the price was all over the place. Yeah. Um, their biggest markets are US dollar, euro, Bitcoin, and then Bitcoin. The Bitcoin Monero pair is has gotten a lot of liquidity lately. That makes um, sense, right? Because they've been cut off from like Shapeshift and all these other Monero ways. has. Well, to go from Monero to Bitcoin is is easy because um, that guy Binary Fate has XMR dot two, uh, so you can just send XMR in and send it to any Bitcoin address you want, no KYC or anything. Uh, but the Bitcoin to Monero side is, is more difficult, and that's where BISC comes in. Um, and actually, with LBTC, it's the opposite. With LBTC, you can peg in without KYC. You, it's, hard, it's hard to get out. You can't get out without... I mean, you can get out without KYC, but you can't get out trustlessly. Um, or like you can't even really get out in that trust-minimized of a fashion. BISC enters the fray there, and... It might make it. It should make it a lot easier to go from LBTC back to Bitcoin. I'm surprised. Like on the XMR.2 front, I'm surprised you don't see that with more altcoins. Like it seems like, you know, it's a centralized service, but like the guy runs it through Tor and stuff. It's like the most. Like if you're running one of these altcoin, if you're an altcoin stakeholder, like that should be like your number one priority is like being able to to move out to Bitcoin, pay any Bitcoin address, right? Yeah. It's weird that you don't see more um, altcoins. It's not more of a priority. Yeah, it's fascinating. Like all the all the the ways in which people are, are routing around the traditional system, forced to in some cases, in a lot of cases. Um, speaking of routing around, a couple of Lightning apps have been updated in the last week. Zeus, uh, a good friend, Evan Kolodis, um has upgraded that to version 0.2.1. Um, so go check that out with this upgrade. Um, oh, I just downloaded it. I thought that was going to take me to a web page. Um, do you know the, the exact specs? I think of the that one was like a maintenance release. Um, I don't think anything big happened in that release. Uh, he did just recover from the flu. Oh, so good to see him in good health. Uh, not the Chinese flu, just the regular flu, I'm led to believe. Um, RTL update is a bigger update. Yeah, this is a big one. The RTL update includes circular channel rebalancing, which I think is a really, really fucking cool concept for routing nodes. Yeah. Um, where basically you use two of your channels and you send a payment to yourself and it balances both channels against each other. Yeah, it's sort of a, a loop-like function, but between yourself almost. Right, loop is... I mean, it is a loop... You're making a loop, but like Lightning Loop, the service is between on-chain and off-chain and, to rebalance and Lightning. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just completely on Lightning. You mm-hmm. just you pay out of one channel, it goes through a bunch of hops, and then you receive out of another channel of yours, um, and it balances it in the process. Yeah. Then- um, so to see that in RTL, which is, you know, the best way to run a routing node. Uh, is fucking fantastic. Yeah, and that's available for LND version 0.9.0 right now. Um, and then also available for all LND versions is being the ability to sign messages with your pub key and verify 
message signature pairs, which are pretty cool. Oh, so circular channel rebalancing isn't live on C Lightning, only L and D. Yes, yes. Only on L and D. So be aware. If you're running C Lightning, it's not there yet. And I don't know if you have this on the list, but while we're talking about lightning um and new upgrades, Chris Stewart from Short Bits tweeted out uh oh, i retweeted that but i did not include it on the list happy i had it on top of my mind we here. discussed this at the bit dev centennial while we were drinking afterwards me and chris yeah so this is a let me find it here it's a cool update it's uh it's really you're running to you're basically running a mirror node that allows you to uh if your node goes down if especially if you're an enterprise company running lightning uh it allows you to run two nodes in parallel if one goes down the other um just picks up where that where that failed so you can preserve your node id channel liquidity and connectivity to your peers without uh, like losing all your money yeah this is pretty Be- big because like when you try and run multiple instances of lightning um you always run the risk of broadcasting an old state and losing everything uh because your peers think that you're trying to cheat them yeah so chris uh, tweeted out this is a must for large bitcoin businesses using lightning so slowly but surely no this is huge. redundancy it's crucial yeah it's like raid for lightning yeah and i believe this the way this or yeah this happens is you hook up the mirror node to i'm gonna butcher it protege produce protege sql hooks up to one of those databases and then your mirror node basically resets every 30 seconds i believe or every minute um basically uh backing up the node that's live yeah i mean look we need more redundancy we need easier backups like these are big things for lightning um good to see staying on lightning c lightning version 0.8.1 has been released by the elements project this had a weird update to it where i guess it's not weird it's kind of useful just something i never really thought about uh you can pay someone while you open the channel interesting I open a channel to you, and I also pay you 100,000 sats at the same time. What is that, in, trying to incite reciprocity? I, I, I do not know what the reasoning is. It seems like maybe it could be a privacy improvement. I, I, it was something that just completely caught me off guard. Well, if you're out there working on Sea Lightning and you have a better explanation of why this is happening, let us know. Tweet at us. It might just be like a why not, you know, yeah. like if I'm opening a channel to you anyway and I plan on paying you, might as well pay you during the channel opening. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, maybe if, yeah. Because that happens a lot. Like I open a channel with a store or something because I want to get a payment through quick. Or like it happens a lot for a regular user, I would imagine. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're, you open a channel with a new game that you want to send some funds to you might as well just do it in the opening transaction <laughs> put their release notes it says some fun providing a brand new way to lose money i with an exclamation point right gotta be more excited about it. a brand new way to lose money <laughs> uh so on top of this invoice route hints can be overridden using exposed private channels try setting uh to close brackets to eliminate all of them to fit your invoice in twitter messages Ooh, invoices and twitter messages well That's- I've never used C Lightning, so disclosure. But on LND, it's optional to include routing hints. So I usually don't include routing hints when I send an invoice to someone. Right? Routing hints are like you tell them the, the end part of how to get to your node. You give them clues to the path to get to you to make payments easier. And especially as 
Fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> if, if you have private channels. Important. <laughs> if you have private channels, uh, you need the routing hints. Otherwise, the person who's paying you doesn't know you have that private channel at the end that, that you're actually receiving the transactions through. That makes sense. Um, so my read of this, of at least the notes, is that they didn't let you disable the routing hints before. Okay. And now they let you disable them. But with L&D, you have to actually optionally choose to include them. That's good opt-in. Yeah. So, like, I never had the Twitter invoice issue. Um, on top of this, the new C-Lightning implementation uh, includes wallet withdrawal transactions that now set uh, an end lock time, making them blend in more with other wallets. So, privacy advancement there? Yeah, you just want them to fit into the same heuristic. Uh, I, I know the end lock time is what Core has set, so they might be mimicking that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think Core has it set to end lock time one. Well, slowly but surely. Um, and this was really cool. i really like to see this from Cold Card. Uh, moving away from Lightning right now. Uh, Cold Card firmware version 3.1.0 adds support for HSM mode called CK Bunker. Uh, and this basically... Uh, begins the process of open sourcing a BitGo-like service where you can basically create permission uh, trees uh, from your cold card, cold card only right now it seems, uh, and create unique signing schemes if you're a business looking to move funds and stuff like that. Yeah, so HSM stands for Hardware Security uh, Module. So basically um, the idea is like you have a, a secure device that is in charge of signing all of your important things. Um, this is used for like tons of different like encryption stuff, uh, signing processes. With this, you actually, you, by putting the firmware on your cold card, your cold card can work as like a, a cheaper HSM, like not as secure, but pretty secure. And you like set policies for it. Um, you know, only send up to a half a Bitcoin per day, only send to these addresses, stuff like that. And it is compatible with PSBT in general. So if Ledger or Trezor releases, when they eventually release PSBT support, you could actually use it with one of those. Um, and then you send it to your remote cold card for signing uh, in like a multi-sig scheme. Um, just very useful to have. And and we, we kind of tease this in the um, the Square Crypto episode. Uh, that like yeah, it basically allows anyone to be their own BitGo, um, and at the same time, this also added user modes, um, so you can have different users. Uh, so you could actually theoretically use this mode and be BitGo for you could be Uncle Jim. You know, Uncle yeah. Jim could be running basically BitGo for friends and family, um, and act as a second signer while not actually being able to move any funds um, just to approve the move. Yeah, no, it's a. Uh, I thought this was pretty. This is pretty big, right? Like, in terms of open source infrastructure that could be built off of this. I, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you know no one ever really talked about it until Rodolfo did. Um, and I'm like, how do we not have this? This is really great, yeah. uh, and you can be really creative with it. You know, it's a nice, simple tool. Um, uh, the link we have has a video sh- demoing it. Uh, so check it out. Yeah. If you want to go straight to the site, it's ckbunker.com. The other thing is not this secure. firmware, this firmware, first of all, the HSM mode isn't compatible with the Mark II, the second cold card. Um, 
the the first cold card if you if you put this firmware on the first cold card the the mark one it bricks the cold card it's so like make sure you don't update your mark one with it uh he's not he's just dis, they're discontinuing up updates to the mark one be aware um, be so aware the last that. firmware that's the one with the touch buttons or whatever and it's just not capable of handling any of, of it doesn't i think it doesn't have enough ram um so uh Make yeah, sure. you're not going to get HSM mode on the Mark II because it's not possible to do it. And the Mark One, if you do it, you, you brick. So just make sure you don't do that. Um, Be aware and make sure you have your, your seed backed up just in case you do brick it. Which is like not great. Like what, like the Mark One was released two years ago or something. Um, it's not great that the upgrades have stopped. Uh, but even with the last firmware that it had, it's reasonably secure i feel like if you're storing like any kind of large amounts of money like you should be upgrading them anyway right yes um so beware uh it's not like the it's not the best thing but it's not like i do i would never use a mark one anyway just because the touchscreen buttons are just and also like on the mark three like you can show the qr code on the screen yeah that's fucking cool so much better um, this is cool. I didn't realize Christopher Allen was working on fully noted. Uh, so he's working on the computer side. Okay. On the client side. So, so he's working on the, you can, with this simple install process, it sets up core for you, runs it through Tor and gives you a QR code that fully noted can then scan. Okay. So it's, and so the combo of the two is what makes it really powerful because then fully noted you have on your iPhone, um, and you're able to use it with your full node that you have at home that you set up um, through, I think, what is this company, Blockchain Comms? Yes, I believe so. Um, <clears throat> through that program. And then so you have Core running through Tor there. You connect it to your node uh, through, your, through your phone, and then you can use your phone as a multi-sig key, and you can use it with PSBTs to sign. Um, and I, I believe you can use Core as well um, in that multi-sig quorum. And yeah. a hardware wallet, if you if you so please. Yeah, Chris's uh, company or project is Blockchain Commons. Uh, Commons, not comms. And well, the, the Twitter handle is Blockchain C O M N S, which is a little confusing. Oh, it looks like comms. Yeah, um, yeah. And Christopher tweeted out that uh, uh, fully noted two allows you to use your own full node over Tor, easily installed with Bitcoin. Uh, stand-up app or Linux script and two or three multi-sig only iOS currently successor app to fully noted version version one. Um, so they're looking for people to help test that. So if you are willing and able that uh, new upgrade is available in test flight right now. Awesome. I have you played with fully noted yet? Not yet. I got to play with I'm it. I'm always a late adopter to this. Stuff. Um, sorry freaks. I'll make sure I play with it before next week and then we will discuss it again. I, we don't have any shout-outs this week, right? Oh, we do. Thank God you mentioned that. We do. I, I also we, wanted... You guys might have appreciated our new intro uh, that we played with this week, and that was at clockwork under dash prior who made that. What a boss. That's uh, And that's the that's like a, a cut-up of the clip from CNBC that we are talking about a few weeks ago. Last week. We were talking about it last week. Was it and we, last week? And we said, I was like, I would love if that clip was the beginning of the of the podcast and he clipped it out for us. So we had to run it. Um, all right. Here's a shout out. It's a question, I believe. Um, I'm not going to read uh, the first half because 
blowing smoke up our asses. Blowing smoke. I mean, compliments. I appreciate the compliments. Um, I don't want to blow smoke up our ass on the air, though. I'll take some smoke up my ass. Is this a good compliment? Uncle Marty and Humble. All right, we're going to do it. Uncle Marty and Humble Matt, you guys rock. Thank you for all that you do. really mean that. And you guys have helped me so much as guides in my own personal journey. Don't trust us. Don't trust us. Verify. Uh, I have a... Sp- that that was me parting on the shout out. I, oh, was, I was gonna say I like that he told us not to trust ourselves. No, no, no. I was saying. Well, anyway, the smoke really tickled my butt, and I liked it. <laughs> uh, this this uh, this shout out has a, a specific question for the two of us, and that I hope he hopes or she uh, can help uh, him and his or her freaks uh, out with. So, if you purchased your sats on a KYC exchange. And had them on a hardware wallet currently, but have unfortunately not used good privacy along the way. You can please, can you please provide a step-by-step guide with best practices to anonymize these stats from where we currently stand, if possible? Any help on this would be incredibly appreciated. Keep up the incredible work, fellas. We love you. Um, he threw in that paca, so I had to do it. Uh, oh, you threw in the paca as part of the shout out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. If you have, I'm assuming the assumption I'm going to take from this question is that you have bought Bitcoin on a KYC exchange and it's simply one hop away, potentially in a hardware wallet. This isn't a bad position to be in. My assumption is that he's also using Ledger Live or Trezor's web wallet instead of his own full node at the same time. That's probably probably a good assumption to make as well. Doxes your addresses to their servers, which is probably the situation that most... Bitcoiners, a lot of Bitcoiners find themselves in, if not most, if not most of our, of the listeners, probably most of the listeners. Um, look, anonymity is a strong word in Bitcoin. Um, I'm not sure if any of us can be anonymous in the current state of things, but if you want to improve your privacy, the steps are relatively simple. Um, you want to, first of all, you want to run your own full node, um, that and connect to it with your your hardware wallet. So that's either going to be through Electrum or Wasabi. Wasabi yeah. is probably a lot easier. Wasabi is a lot easier. And it's the best general, UX I've you seen. You don't have to day. run an Electrum server. So you run Core on your computer. You run Wasabi on your computer. It's automatically pulling blocks from there. Um, you connect your hardware wallet to that. Um, Ideally, you get a cold card or something like that and create your keys offline. Well, yeah. The easier way to do it is to to just buy a new hardware wallet. Um, but you could also just add a passphrase to your hardware wallet. And if you add a passphrase, it gives you a whole new set of addresses. You don't even um, have to add a passphrase. You can just well, no, open you up a new account. No, you do because specifically. you do because your XPUB is doxed to Ledger or Trezor already. Um, oh, so you create a passphrase and sort gives of create you a that new on X-Pub. the device. Okay. Gives you a new public key, gives you a new set of addresses. And then you go through CoinJoin slowly and then you send them out back to the new um, device, the the new device or the passphrase wallet, right? So you have new addresses and you send them out to individual addresses, one UTXO at a time, post-mix. Yeah. Um, and then from that point on, you just always um, use your full node to access it. And you always, uh, whenever you spend, you go through another coin join to like isolate that wallet from any kind of um, and is this a perfect solution? No, that's not a perfect solution, but it should improve your privacy significantly. Um, and it definitely can't hurt your privacy. No. Thanks for the shout out. I hope, uh, I hope our answer was helpful. Uh, and you can DM, 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 DM if you have more questions. Yeah, don't be shy. Don't be shy. And btcprivacy.org. 
Extremely useful resource by our boy 6102 Bitcoin. Yeah, I've been, cha- I've been chatting with 6102. He's going to come out with some uh, some good coin join um, content soon, which I'm excited to see. I took a very risky approach because the .org domain <laughs> was just purchased by some like hedge fund. Did you saw that? No. And they're like trying to raise the prices of .orgs. Um, so there's like some good .orgs you can get. So I bought PTC Privacy and redirected it to 6102 site. That's uh, so we'll see if they jack up the prices on me. But right now, btcprivacy.org. That's coming from your local domain name hoarder, Mr. I Odell. Know, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> I'm a hodler. <laughs> Holding uh, domains is using domains, Marty. That's okay? true. That's true. Is this squatting? Is squatting a use case? It's not squatting. Um. Our boy BTC Sessions from Bull Bitcoin uh, created MyNodeBTC.com, and it's a build-your-own node. No, he didn't. MyNodeBTC is the website, but he used uh, MyNode software. He walks you through how to build your own node using MyNode um, in the video. Sorry for the slip up there. And uh, it's it's a fantastic video walkthrough. I think MyNode, I still haven't used it yet, and I know I have to. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the, the dude's down in... Uh, Alabama or the right, behind, right. and then I said you doxed him, and then you're like, no, it's public. Yeah, yeah. Um, my node's great. Like you can run Electrum, you can run Electrum personal server on it, you can run Whirlpool on it, uh, your own block explorer. Yeah, it's uh, it goes through Tor. It's a great little display. It's pick and choose what you want. RTL and Dojo support is coming soon, so you'll be able to run my node, run Dojo and Whirlpool on it, connect it to your Samurai wallet on your phone, and you get a full stack there. Um, you can also connect it to Wasabi if you want to connect it to Wasabi. And it's, yeah, it's, it, it seems fantastic. I have not used it, but a lot of people I respect have been recommending it. And, and this guide shows just how easy it is to set it up. So uh, you can just buy off-the-shelf parts, uh, Raspberry Pi 4, an SSD, a case for it, um, an SD card, and you're good to go. It's like $150 all said and done, plus $99 if you want the premium features that MyNote offers. Uh, to them, one-time fee. So you're talking about like 250 225 all said and done. You have your own node. You could be Uncle Jim, you know? And I'm happy to see our boy Ben getting back into the uh, the uh, video walkthrough game. He Back in the day, he, he did a bunch of how-tos on YouTube. He got away from it for a little bit. Happy to see him back into it. Look, speaking from experience, it's fucking frustrating. The shit changes so much. Like this, this guide he showed... This thing's going to be outdated in six months. So, guys, go view it, use it, you know, before it gets outdated for our buddy Ben. Yeah. Shout out, Ben. Shout out, Bull Bitcoin. Um, this is cool. Something that's been uh, teased for a while, but it sounds like it's finally coming to market. <coughs> Excuse me. Losing my voice here. Our boy CSW, CSU Wildcat. Yeah. Uh, he's been working on an open source uh, for Microsoft, importantly. Microsoft is. Uh, basically funding the team that he's been building and they're building basically an open source identity, um, identity layer for distributed identity layer. Yes. Did, did D I D. And, um, yeah, so this is something that's cool. It's something that we were talking about Christopher Allen, uh, earlier. This is something that he was fascinated about too. Identity on a second layer. Um, and again, this is not like tying your, it could be if you wanted to tying your, your name to, uh, the blockchain. It could be a pseudonym or something like that. Ooh, I didn't include that in the list. We got to talk about that later. Okay, we'll talk about that later. What's that? 
Do you see the decrypt, uh, like, docs oh, a bunch yeah, of yeah, people yeah, using yeah, the yeah, Ethereum we'll name just, service? Yeah, we'll talk about that. This is not that. This is, like, you know, digital passports that you anchor into the Bitcoin blockchain. And Microsoft is super bullish on Bitcoin in terms of security. Um, there's no other chain that they they really considered to anchor this data into because Bitcoin is the most secure by far. Um, so, so yeah, basically, you'll, you could have, like, we could have our ID systems instead of the completely centralized platforms that they're on right now, they can be on this more open platform and services can interact with it. Um, and it should give people more freedom to move between services and stuff like that because they'll have this open identity. Yeah. And it's, um, it's something, so CSU Wildcat, his real name is Daniel Buckner. Which I'm pretty positive. It's, that's public, right? Yeah. That's yeah. It's completely public. It literally says it on Twitter. Um, yeah, so he's been working on this. And but he, he'll always be CSU Wildcat to me. Yeah, he's uh, he's been making the argument this is going to help help develop a fee market in some capacity, which is something I've been talking about a lot this week. Well, we need like if you want if you want like a sustainable fee market, you need to have like reserve demand that's always. Um, and this argument has been made up with, with both CoinJoin and Lightning also provide this. Um, where you have this reserve demand where like just constant, just like people constantly want to open channels. People constantly need to coin join. People constantly need to anchor their identity into the Bitcoin blockchain and should cause um, more sustainability in terms of fee market. Instead of it going from like, you know, one sat per byte to a hundred sat per byte back down to one, there'll be like a plateau that it hits right whereas like all those reserve transactions are trying to get processed yeah that's a yeah it was a big topic on on my mind this week the fee market a lot of people already clamoring for uh an inflation rate on bitcoin because they don't think uh the fee market alone tail emissions tail emissions what what do the ethereans call it um Minimum minim, no minimum viable uh, Security, issuance. Right? Uh, minimum viable issuance. And the other thing Daniel said, uh, which is interesting, is that he thinks that it's um, from from a perspective of the amount of security they get, it's extremely cheap for them to use the Bitcoin chain. Yeah. Um, all this all this fud about Bitcoin being too expensive to use, and Microsoft thinks it's way cheaper than if they got those kind of security assurances in any other way. Yeah, I remember. It's funny to see Microsoft come. Back to Bitcoin, because I remember back in the day in New York, like the f- couple of the first quote unquote blockchain meetups that came into the city were like Blockstack talking about how Azure, Microsoft Azure was anchoring into their systems and thinking about building it on something like Blockstack. But now it seems like they're coming back to Bitcoin. Well, Azure had a tool where you could just like build a blockchain. Yeah. Like a bullshit, you know, enterprise blockchain, like instantly on their servers. And also Microsoft, you know, power to them, uh, they were one of the first to accept Bitcoin payments. I remember one of the big companies. I think that was like 2015 or something. Yeah. Um, you guys, you can look back on my Twitter. There's a tw- tweet where I'm like, you can buy Master Chief with Bitcoin now. Like, bullish as fuck. <laughs> um, really wasn't that bullish, but it's a nice little legitimacy. Like, did I ever buy an Xbox game with Bitcoin? Nope. No. You know, I think they used BitPay. Like, hey, <laughs> never fucking used it. I thought it was really bullish, but, you know, they... Microsoft's they been did paying it, attention. so props to them. I haven't, haven't seen anything out of Apple uh, pertaining to Bitcoin or blockchain at all. No. No. They're very conservative. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But we have, you know, we have some moles in, in Apple Pay team. Shout out to our Apple Pay moles. Love you guys. 
Um, Let's get Bitcoin as a funding option. Right. For our credit cards without numbers on them or whatever. Oh, well, actually, fuck. We're going to bite it. We're going to bite our tongues. Literally the next topic is open. Uh, open yeah, node. It's not really Apple integrate. It's like kind of. All right. Um, so open node and Apple pay are. No, it's oh, open node is helping. They working with wire. So wire lets you buy Bitcoin with debit card or Apple pay. And now wires integrated into open nodes, merchant services. So if you're an open node merchant, when it shows a Bitcoin invoice, where you can pay with Lightning or on-chain, it also says you can pay with Apple Pay or debit card. And if you pay with Apple Pay or debit card, it automatically converts it into Bitcoin. The merchant receives Bitcoin. So you can be a Bitcoin-only merchant, and you can accept U.S. fiat payments uh, directly integrated into the open node payment flow. Um, very which similar. seems very useful. Yeah, useful, very similar to... Um strike in in yeah. asher not exactly I, the same but there was some inspiration was my guess yeah um but uh it's important to realize here like i they're gonna have to deal with chargebacks and stuff and credit card a uh, debit card fraud i think that's why they're using debit cards and not credit cards um maybe credit card fraud is higher yeah it's easier to get charge a, back right it's easier to get a credit card company to just uh cancel something yeah so and Apple Pay, I guess, has has way less fraud risk because you have like Face ID and Apple has all their KYC and shit like that that they know who you are. Um, so that's why Apple Pay is also accepted. But it should be interesting to see unfold. I, you know, Safe mentioned this on Twitter maybe like a year ago in a thread that I was in with him. Um, and I fucking love the idea, the idea of like a reverse payment processor, which is how I've described Ellen Strike as well. Um, it's very interesting to me because as as a Bitcoiner, like if we could just a pod, for instance, like if we could accept fiat payments and get paid with Bitcoin, I think that's more preferable to us than going into a bank account. Right. Like I would rather stack sats in that situation. Yeah. Um, so it's nice that merchants have that option. And especially if you're an international merchant, um, it could open up a lot of possibilities with accepting fiat from from U.S. customers. I don't know, like a little shill here. I've been testing out the Escher app over the weekend and uh, with the Fold app particularly. I've been taking a lot of Ubers um, and buying Uber uh, gift cards via Fold. And if you just hook up your, your debit card, you get less sats back uh, than if you pay via Lightning. So with Escher, which I have my bank account hooked up to, I'm able to pay Lightning invoice with that so I don't have to spend the sats that I already own. I'm getting more sats back, which has been a pretty cool experience. Yeah, because if you pay with like credit card, then Fold has to eat the credit card fee. <laughs> but if you pay with Sats, then it transfers the fee over to you a little bit because you pay the Asher fee or whatever. But it's still way less, and you get better cash back. Yeah, Sats back. Um, obviously, these services have strict KYC to light KYC. So if you're using them, make and sure you're centralized, and they're going to be heavily regulated. And we'll see how it all unfolds. But more options, the better. Yep. 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 Um, shifting to mining, uh, big uh, big news week for the Layer 1 team. Uh, they've officially started mining. I believe they have two megawatts up and running. Um, that's it? I think I think that's what they have live right now. I thought it was higher than that. Maybe five. Regardless, uh, the Peter Thiel backed. Oh, two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. 
Um, oh no, multiple that have two and a half. Okay, so they brought up like ten or something. Okay, so they're live now. Um, several mining containers, each at two and a half megawatt capacity, have been deployed with liquid cooling technology to combat the high temperatures in the West Texas liquid region. Liquid cooling technology. It's actually important. Uh, so this is something we've been talking about a lot. Uh, mining shifting uh, to the states. It's something that. I personally think is an issue of national security in the long run. So it's good to see these guys uh, finally up and running. Uh, shout out to Alex, uh, legal and team uh, doing that in West Texas. Have some pretty lofty projections on the amount of hash rate they can get uh, by the end of 2021. Be interesting to see if they can hit those goals. I hope they can, but um, they are pretty lofty. They don't have to hit 30% to be significant. 30% is ridiculously high number. They're like they're ten percent of the mining hash rate. That's pretty fucking massive. Yeah, a shout out to uh, to the miners turning on on American soil, North American soil. Shout out to uh, to Layer One and team there. Um, what does constant surveillance do to your brain? It fucks up your brain, man. It gives you like PTSD style fucking shit. So this is what we're referencing here is an article on Vice. Um, titled what constant surveillance does to your brain technology is getting more adept at tracking our moves and anticipating our choices and being watched all the time can make us feel anxious. I know me personally, I feel this like my wife and I will be talking about something, saying something very specific and we'll get ads served to us via Instagram. Instagram's always the worst with it. And people self police and they feel like they're never alone in their thoughts, you know, and they're not able to, um, be a real person, you know, and it, it has knock on effects that compound over time that just like really fuck with people. Um, it's what big brother wants and it's not appreciated. It's a mental health issue. Yeah. yeah it's, fucking, it's a mental health issue. They want to control you. They want to control your thoughts. This is what 1984 was all about. Maybe the thought police are here. Maybe in countries with socialized health care, we will have less surveillance issues because they will end up having to pay for it. I uh, find that very hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> that is Matt's positive swing for the day. But uh, no, be careful. Like this shit, the thought police are actually on the streets now. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, somebody forwarded it to me earlier this week. There's a video out in New Zealand, I believe, of police officers showing up to somebody's house and harassing him about comments he made on Facebook or something like that. And This was in China? New, New Zealand. Zealand. Oh, because I've seen it. It's happened in China. Yes, but now it's happening in New Zealand. That's fucked least. up. So they knocked on this guy. I'll try to find the video if we can share Using it. Him. They knocked on his door and basically said, uh, why, like, do you think it's a good idea to have these thoughts and to be saying them online? Is it productive? Uh, think, and they, I, I believe they did say, if I recall correctly, uh, think of the consequences in the future. Um, so they literally, that's have like some mafia shit. Exactly. It's like some Gestapo, bullshit man i mean at a lesser extent this is what twitter does every day right when they send you those emails and they're like we've locked your account until you delete this tweet yeah but now they have actually people with guns show up yeah, to your house that's where we're, well do new zealand police have guns i think they might i know they're they're trying to take the guns away from the citizens or they've already it done true. it successfully it is true after they, that they handed it over right away in a crisis yeah crises guys crises you had we had september 11th we got the patriot act um in China right now, they have the coronavirus. They just completely clamped down on their population. In New Zealand, they had the Christchurch shooting, and they just took everyone's guns, and everyone just handed them over. Like, people are really easy to manipulate during crises. Crises? Crises. And 
you got to be aware, freaks. You got to you got to be aware because this is going to ca- keep on happening. Yeah, we got fucking bulldozed with the Patriot Act. And then there's no going back after it happens. The fucking floodgates open. You know, a lot of this extra KYC we see comes directly from that Patriot Act. So fuck this shit, man. And when they originally signed the Patriot Act, they're like, hey, we're only going to get metadata on terrorists. Right. And no now U.S. citizens. No U.S. citizens. And now they're using social media metadata to help map out who's got guns. I think. They, How could it be bad, Marty? It's called the Patriot Act. Are you not a patriot? Do you not care? Orwellian bullshit, man. In 1984, they want to control your thoughts. The Patriot Act is a Orwellian wordplay. Never going to get rid of it. Be aware. No, we can get rid of it. Speak up. Speak up. More people need to speak up. Reverse the thought crime. Or not thought crime, the thought manipulation that's happening to you. At least try to. And you can do that by thinking critically about this stuff. Um, so I thought this was a really interesting tweet by Rodolfo. Um, yeah. Just something important to touch on. Just like hardware wallet threat modeling in general. Um, what are you trying to protect against? What are you worried about? What are your biggest threats? Um, a lot of people tend, myself included, tend to jump to these like super complicated threat models, um, where like people are like storming into your, your home and your office and like five different locations, like all at once. And you gotta like worry about it. Um, but really at the end of the day, like, what are you really worried about? You're worried about like basic burglaries, um, you're worried about like a maid or an employee or a family member or a friend getting their hands on a hardware wallet or or your seed your phrase. Yeah. Um, you're worried about losing it. Um, you're worried about traveling with it. Uh, when you travel with it, you basically should just assume that anyone, uh, when you travel, that any of those security guys can just Take have it. physical access to anything you fucking have. Um, and then you got to plan accordingly uh, based on that threat model. Um, and, and this is, it's a very, you know, it's a hard topic because it's a very personal, um, that's why, that's why multi-sig is, it's a very personal thing though. It depends on what your personal situation is and what you're trying to protect against. Yes. I think multi-sig helps, uh, protect against a lot of these attacks though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then like the other thing I wanted to mention is just like with all this shit going on, I mean, you guys know we love cold card. We think cold card is the best hardware wallet on the market. Um, but if you look at the top three, you look at Ledger, Trezor, and Cold Card. Um, I don't think there's been a single case uh, where one of them has been actually compromised, like in the wild, uh, maliciously. Um, so J- Jameson, yeah, not well. Jameson, well, other than five dollar wrench attacks, like right, Jameson, right, five dollar wrench attacks. You know, they come in, they torture you, they beat you up, and they ask you for your shit. Um, that happened to some, like the last, that's happened a bunch of times, 2017 bull run. I believe somebody's like somebody's best friend did it to them. Yeah. But like hacks, um, yeah, we had one in New York too. Um, but in like, in terms of hacks, um, I don't think any have happened, but if you use a treasure, make sure you use a passphrase make sure, you know, it's a very strong passphrase, uh, because it is easier to pull those seeds out now, uh, on the treasure. Um, and just be aware, just constantly evolve your threat modeling and, and your security, but, but also don't go too paranoid that you fucking shoot yourself in the foot. And yeah. And make it too hard to get keys. Yeah. Um, the department of defense got wrecked. They can't even keep their information or their own personal data. You, what the fuck? You reported on this. What happened? 
What the fuck? I they they don't tell us what happened. They just sent out fucking letters to like a bunch of DOD personnel, and they were like, uh, "Your information may have been compromised, and right. we won't tell you by who or, or what information or whatever." I'll and re- we're gonna give you free credit reporting. I'll read the lo- <laughs> free credit reporting. Fuck fuckers. <laughs> so this is dated uh, February 11th, so nine days ago. Dear sir or madam, this letter is to notify you of a potential compromise of your person personally identifiable information during uh, may to july 2019 time frame some of your personal information including your social security number may have been compromised in a data breach on a system hosted by the defense information systems agency disa Uh, while there's no evidence to suggest that your personal information was misused disa policy requires the agency to notify individuals whose personal data may have been compromised we take this potential data compromise very seriously as a result we have put additional security measures in place. Don't worry. They got additional security measures in place now to prevent further incidents. And we are adopting new protocols to increase protection of all personal identifying information. In addition, DISA will provide free credit monitoring services to you at no cost. It's free. That's a redundant, that's a redundant line there. Somebody who tries to avoid redundancy in sentences. Department of Defense fucked up here. Information concerning credit monitoring, including how to sign up for the service, will follow in a separate letter. Matt just got my laptop wet. <laughs> Open up a claw. Uh, if you have concerns about the identity theft, <laughs> you may wish to review the recommended actions outlined in the Federal Trade Commission's website. Send them to website. You may also wish to place a fraud alert the, on your credit report. The TLDR is we fucked up. Trust us. Don't verify. Exactly. And we're not going to tell you what what happened or so who like, took your data. All this KYC information, all this private information that they make us give them and they collate in these large-ass fucking databases, like, that shit is even less secure than their own. This is, like, this is Department of Defense personnel. This is, like, the most important information, important information for them to keep secure. They can't keep that information secure. So... You have to just operate under the assumption that all your private information that you share with these third parties is going to be leaked, hacked, compromised, bought, sold eventually. It's going to fucking happen. And if you don't, if you don't take precautions now, like anyone who does compromise that data, whether that's the Chinese government or the Iranians or the Russians or whatever the fuck it is, are going to be able to track all your Bitcoin transactions. They're going to be able to track all your other personal information, photos you keep in the cloud and shit, messages. All wrecked. Come on, guys. You gotta <sighs> take take it into your own hands because clearly they don't know what they're doing. We're gonna keep pressing this issue because it's fucking. It's unacceptable, honestly. Like it's it's like how can you try to force these laws on people and these compliance this compliance uh, on people, and it be completely unsafe? Like it's, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't compute in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no such thing as perfect security, but, like, if you're going to fucking take all this information, like, you better keep it secure. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, you're just a fucking hypocrite, and you're just putting all your citizens at risk. Yeah. Which is what exactly is fucking happening right now. Your citizens and the people protecting uh, your government as well. They're not even protected. Uh, we mentioned it. Excuse me, burp there. I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, our boy Yassine Amandra pointed out that... Uh, when was this, yesterday or two days ago? Yesterday. Um, so yesterday marked Bitcoin's fifth largest hourly price drop in price history and around $1,000 drop in under an hour. The only other time we've seen a greater dollar price drop is at the December 2017 peak uh, data via Coinmetrics. So just a data point there. 
I heard rumors that it might have been a fat finger on Coinbase or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure how um, how reliable that is. But. I don't know. This is Bitcoin. I fucking love it. Yeah. I mean, it was probably like fat finger combined with like cascading fucking margin calls. Margin calls, yeah. Speaking of margin calls, how many people got margin called on Bloomberg last night? So the FTX election markets, we've, I think we discussed this last week. We did, we did. Um, is in full force. Um, and we're seeing how it looks to have like a pretty liquid KYC free prediction market um, that you could use with leverage. <laughs> um, and I think, what did I say? What is Bloomberg? Bloomberg had, there was a debate last night that neither of us watched. Um, and Bloomberg apparently did poorly as per FTX because he went down 28% um, overnight. And yeah, I think Elizabeth Warren went up like 50% or something. Or something. Um, so this is what's kind of interesting, which I mean, what's really fascinating about prediction markets in general is that you get real time data that's way more accurate than other methods because there's like skin poly- in the game. Yeah. Um, we, you know. If you go on to CNN right now, which I would never do, and I haven't been on CNN for a while, I would imagine what they're saying is, you know, someone says their opinion about who won the debate. Someone says their opinion. They're like, well, wait to see what the polls say in two weeks or whatever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if those polls are very representative of what we saw in FTX literally an hour after the debate ended or during the debate and then after, you know, immediately following. Yeah, that's crazy to see play out. Um, very reflexive. And they yeah. I only saw clips, and it was just basically Elizabeth Warren saying, this dude has a bunch of uh, sexual assault lawsuits against him. The only politics I'll talk about is fucking election markets. Yeah. And how Trump probably owns Bitcoin. (laughs) Don Jr. definitely does. (laughs) Um, Circle back to ENS. So Ethereum has this ENS system. Somebody actually, I'm not going to dox up who did it. I actually can't call from the top of my mind but somebody offered us the tftc 21 ens uh earlier today did they try and sell it to you yeah someone tried to sell me tftc and stacking sats you know <laughs> like fuck you like I, I i'm not fuck you that's fine you keep it yeah no I that's what I was, I was like yeah i'm not interested yeah. i'm not gonna ever hold eth so we don't need an ens yeah. anyway um we've talked about this before on the podcast um basically ens lets you link an address to a a readable a readable English name, um, which a lot of people use their Twitter handle or their real name for, and you can choose which address it goes to. But what is often overlooked by even diehard ETH heads, ETH founders, is that the address that you actually purchase the domain with is also publicly viewable, and that is where decrypt ended up doing the best, uh, you know, the, the, the most doxing happened uh, through that address that they used to purchase it. So even if they were smart enough to create a new address um, to use with the ENS, uh, the address they purchased it with was an address they've used a shit ton in the past. And you're able to see their balances. You're able to see every transaction they make. Um, and let's remember here, Ethereum uses an account-based system. They don't use the UTXO-based system of Bitcoin. Uh, so by default, every transaction goes to the same account number, same address. Um, so you see everything. You see all the tokens held, all the transactions that have happened. Yeah. Um, and this is just another data point that gets added into 
all the private data that's being leaked. To be fair, both on Bitcoin and Ethereum, but on Ethereum, it's, it's much more substantial. I mean, people aren't running their own nodes. They're using MetaMask. They're connecting it to ENS. They're using KYC services. Then they're going into like, quote unquote, DeFi, right? And doing like compound loans and all this fucking shit. Um, crazy. And there's a shit ton of information out there. The uh, the profiles they were able to put together of some pretty prominent people. Um, actually know Bobby Young. I've met him a few times. Uh, founder of CoinGecko. Oh, were, his was interesting. They were able to cross-reference. So they, you're basically able to create a profile of these users. Bobby was tweeting about a meetup that he was going no, go to go No, it wasn't that he tweeted about the meetup. He... Well, so he tweeted about the meetup, and then they were able to prove via the ENS system that he was actually there because he was buying die inside. No, no, that's not. So they, I thought that's what it. No, it was. It's actually kind of cool because it was a cool. It was a cool idea for a DAP. That so it's an idea that I've thought of in the past as we've run Bitcoin Citadel, which is the idea is that our boy Josh, a way slice on Twitter, um, doesn't like hosting free events. He thinks people don't show up if it's a free event. So they have this dap called kickbacks. And the idea is you put in amount of money, you, you pay them ETH or die, you pay them die before the event. So two weeks before the event, Bobby Ong paid them die, right? And it's registered on chain to his ENS, right? So it's completely publicly visible. That's the issue. But this is where the cool part, you pay the die. And if you show up, then you sign the transaction with whatever key they give you when you get there. And then you get paid the portion of the deposit of people that don't show up. Uh, so then he got paid. More. He got he paid ten die to do the deposit that said I'm going in two weeks. And, got and then when back. he went, he got paid nineteen die because certain people didn't show up. So they were able to both know he was going in two weeks, and then that he actually verifiably went because of the kickback transaction. So the actual concept of the kickbacks is like a cool. You know, like I could like see Meetup doing it with Fiat. Like I, that would make sense to me. Yeah. No, it's um, yeah, but like the profiles that you're able to to produce with this system is pretty scary. They were they were, other people were making business deals on. Yeah, a mean. They had a mean from Spank Chain or whatever. Like they saw his business deals on the fucking transaction. There was someone else. They saw their salary. They could deduct how much salary they were making. They were getting paid in tokens. Stop watching porn kidding yeah half kidding uh no yeah just be aware uh, if you're if you're using that ens system um apparently they're coming out with mixers to fix this tornado cache i believe it's called or something like that um we'll see we'll see if that gets adopted wants to be serious about privacy like i believe it when i see it tornado cache looks kind of promising from the outside point of view um but everything they've done up until this point has been the opposite so we'll see. We shall see. Um, that's all I got right now. That's, that's the list. Anything to riff on? We're almost exactly an hour in. Um, so two things. Uh, Bloomberg released like a crypto statement uh, that people were like, you know, doing their bullshit, bullshit about. Um, it's basically like a non-statement. And then, you know, he's like, we want a sandbox for for tech and but we need regulations for fraud, crime, and stuff, and blah, blah, blah. So it was like really a non-statement. I don't think that was bullish or anything. It doesn't really matter. And then in that same vein, I believe FinCEN followed up after Munch and Butt's comments last week and said that they're unaware of, uh, of the new guidelines. And if there are new uh, guidelines presented, they will go through a process uh, of acceptance. So nothing set in stone. 
um, and FinCEN isn't even aware. So beware. Yeah, I think you're just talking big game. Um, look, the Trump administration's inept, so we'll see if they actually can pull anything off. Um, you know, I'd be more worried if, like, a Bloomberg seems like he's he'd be more up to task to regulate the shit. Yeah, like Elizabeth Warren or something. Um, and we've long held on this podcast, at least I have, that Hillary Clinton was born to regulate the shit. So, um, well, hopefully. hopefully, Trump continues to be inept in that regard. Um, the other thing was Mark Yusko uh, oh, hell yeah. was on CNBC yesterday, right after the $1,000 drop. Stack your um, sats, baby. Yeah, and he dropped stacking sats, which is cool. He's like, stack your sats and build your portfolio, which is like the nice boomer integration of the stack sats meme. Uh, it's good to see that on mainstream media. The other thing is um, they mistitled the bottom. It said Bitcoin drops $1,000 after hours. Dan Held point out we don't have after hours in Bitcoin. 24-7, And then the maybe. third thing is um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say who. One of the New York City Bitcoiners stood outside the CNBC thing mm-hmm. um, and held a Bitcoin fixes this sign, which Behind is kind of yesterday. badass. Yeah. There's, uh, I believe, uh, Surfer Jim tweeted that out. Yeah, That's I don't true. think we're I'm we're not supposed to say who who held the sign, right? I I'm not going to I'm not going to disclose who. Anyway, he's our boy and it was fucking badass. Yeah. Um something I saw the Citadel crew talking about. Do you want to talk about what you guys are going to do with the um overflow funds? Yeah, so I mean going back to this kickback thing, <laughs> Josh refuses he thinks there always needs to be even if we get the food and drink for the workshop sponsored you need to people need to pay the $30 just so that cuz we have limited capacity with the workshops we can only do like max 30 people we need to do hands on like uh, you know you want it to be an intimate experience for everyone that everyone gets a good experience so we're very much capped on the amount of people we can have and if um, if people don't show up it sucks to have like 20 people there and we could have fit 10 more people and the people didn't show up um, so we do charge a little bit of money right now. $30 is what we've been doing. The Citadel workshop in San Francisco right now is sold out. Um, but so then it's like, but we're not running it for profit. We're all volunteering. So what do we do with that money? Um, the plan is we're going to start bounties, um, for very specific things, very specific upgrades and finishing touches on existing software that we want to see and devs that successfully complete those bounties, we will pay out the funds to them. Um, so, um, that's the plan stuff like, you know, like, uh, one big one for me is like, I want people to be able to run join market on their Mac with just core and a DMG file. just nice and simple. You just run the two things. You have no command line. You don't do that. Stuff like that. Um, I think it would be really great to see. Um, yeah, I love it, dude. So yeah, we're all about giving back here at TFTC. Um, go buy a BTC pay server hat. We're going to, uh, what we're going to do with the proceeds to that <clears throat> is buy a bunch of the hats <laughs> for, <clears throat> God, I'm losing my voice here for rockstar dead to hand out, uh, during Bitcoin 2020. Yeah. We got to make sure we order those, but uh, their turnaround's pretty quick. Yeah. It's pretty quick. Yeah. So we might as well try and maximize how many we can bring them. Yeah. TFTC.io slash merch. Um, help buy hats for the people of Bitcoin 2020. It's a fucking dope hat. I wear it everywhere. I brought it with me today. It's sitting right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all we got. Anything else? Um, 
Nah. I don't have anything. All right. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love, freaks. Okay.